welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. And Squirrel, it's not just United Day. We we have a a, a guest today. Fantastic. Uh, Who's that? Yeah, this is um, Juan Pablo. Would, would you introduce yourself? Of course. Hey, Jeffrey, Squirrel. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm Juan Pablo Biorica, uh live in New York City, engineering leader for, for a bit, uh, and excited to, to, to be here. Thank you for, for having me. Well, well, thanks for coming. So Juan, I was really excited to have you on. Um, about a, a, a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago now, you were a guest at the uh, San Francisco CTO Club, uh, where I'm a member, and you came and shared with us your framework for what you think makes effective engineering teams. And I thought this would be fantastic uh, uh, content for uh, our listeners, that just exactly the kind of thing that people care about. Of course, we'll put a link to your framework, uh, an article on that in the show notes. Um, but I was hoping you can come and talk about this and maybe start with, where did this come from? What, what led you to create this uh, framework in the first place? Of course. Um, well, like most things came from a, from, from a real pain. Um, so I, right, right after I left Stripe, I was leading the, the engineering team for Latin America at Stripe. I, I jumped into a pretty big, uh, company called Richie Bros, which is the largest global auctioneer of heavy machinery, not a tech startup, a company with a IT team, pretty large IT team actually that wanted to become a tech company, right? And so I was, I was uh, as SDP of engineering, I was given the mandate of turning the organization into a technology organization. And the first few months, right? Like discovering the, the gaps of, of course, coming from either the startup world or, or, or Stripe where what, like the, the, the basis of having autonomous teams that move towards shipping software is pretty much like understood or, or to, to some extent and the world I was in, which was more of a, like a consultative IT considered group of about 400, 500 people. We, we didn't even have the same sort of language to talk about what was success, what was I expecting? And so the first few months were very painful, like three to six months. Like how do I get the teams to like take risks and take ownership of their goals and all these things. And so I finally started drafting, what, what, what is akin to like an engineering ladder, but for teams, right? Right. If, if I take junior people and, and show them what I expect from them through an engineering ladder, I look, like, here's how you grow. Here's how you do your job. Here's what success looks like. And what if I do the same thing for a team, right? And how would that look like? And so that, that was, that was the origin, uh, the origin story. Yeah, that's great. I can really appreciate that. So it's one thing that you capture in there is you're moving from a, not just a software company, but a product company at Stripe, right? And, and, and I know in Squirrel, I'm sure you can see this too, the difference between people that are product companies versus ones that are, are not product companies, you know, is one you're describing as, as not tech companies, but it's also not just tech companies, but like product is a, is a different Correct. discipline. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's a, that's a good distinction. By that, I think Jeffrey means software products. Because um, yes. <laughs> physical products, I work with a lot of physical product companies too, and uh, their world is completely different, whether it's building hardware, technological hardware, or um, printing things, or constructing buildings, or something like that. Their thoughts about software are very different, and that's uh, a, a great interest of mine. So I'm really curious 
where this took you. Uh, this this and this this idea of coming in and saying like okay we have these people and they're not trying to convert to being uh, a tech company and you're bringing in well this is what you know big league product companies do are very different I had a, a friend who did a very similar thing at a company and he had a kind of similar result which is he had to go around and kind of define this is what good looks like at a team level um, so it's it's uh, I can see why you would would turn to that. Um, what was the response then within within the company once you started defining it? It was it was actually the majority of it was embraced really well. There was of course there were of course many many questions, not just from from the team members. Yes, like many from from managers, like what do you mean? Is this now like how you're going to grade me or how are you going to like supervise me? Right? Like there were many concepts or <laughs> foreign, um, but we started with a pilot. And so introducing these new processes. So I picked a few teams that were the closest to product engineering teams. And we set a few of like, here's, here's some new um, ceremonies. We're going to start adopting right there. Here's a product review. Here's some, some places where you can check in. And what I'll use to give you feedback is the framework, right? And so the, I think my favorite part of the framework is there are real examples of what being capable at something looks like versus what it doesn't. And that was developed just through the, the, the process of introducing the framework because um, clarity in, in expectations was, was the most important thing. So, so like, what do you mean like, like my team should be able to set goals? Well, if you don't know where you're going, that you don't know how to set goals, and, right? So I could have those conversations and sort of illustrate Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's something super important there. Because what I find often, and this happens both with engineers who are very black and white thinkers and folks who are very much not engineers and don't understand them and are looking for control, what both of those groups tend to do is to take what you just said and say, what we need is clarity. Excellent. So you should define 7.2 goals. And the 7.2 goals (laughs) should be at least 43 words long, and each one should contain a cue. And they get very clear, but that's precisely not what's in your def- definitions. Your definitions are things like uh, navigate ambiguity or um, you know, what you're looking for is team characteristics that are inherently unclear. But you, by having examples, you're creating greater clarity and alignment about something that is fundamentally a fuzzy concept. So uh, I just wanted exactly. to draw that distinction, and that's one reason I thought your framework was very interesting because it, it it isn't like some um, the kind of the worst versions of Scrum or uh, OKRs or the <laughs> other kinds of things that people do where they're trying to follow a ritual and um, get all the movements right um, without really understanding anything about what they're doing. It's not a cookbook. You're, so you, you're yes, absolutely, you're absolutely right. Yeah. This comes from, since it comes from engineering ladders, and I have that experience with engineers, like, what do I have to be to become a senior engineer? Well, you should do this, this, and that. Well, that's a checklist. I've done it. Am I senior now? Like, no, like, you missed <laughs> no. the whole point. Yes. So I didn't want to have that conversation with the teams. And so I wanted to be clear in the expectations, but also be clear that I expect them to, like, think beyond, like, beyond what a, what is like in the framework and actually like embrace it. So, so thank you for that distinction. Um, I think we were at, um, how it was received. So yeah, basically we rolled it out, uh, um, 
through through a pilot. Eventually, it, it, we sharpened the, the language. I, I still think there's too many capabilities there. At some point, I have to like summarize or categorize or something. But I just pushed out to the world the a draft and and have received pretty good feedback. Now, you, you we were talking about this ahead of time, and you just say that there are a few of them that you think are essential. That if you were to from the, your list, there was a few that if you go and you think of kind of as non negotiable. Let's we'll start with one I, I think is I'm, I really liked just as a as a as a, cause this is your lead off one in the article. Um, navigate ambiguity. <laughs> That's fantastic. I got to say, if I were to choose one principle that I want from my teams, it's that they have the ability to navigate ambiguity. Tell, tell us about that one. What is it? Why did you have it first? Why is it on your short list of must haves? My career comes from startups where there is no structure, there's no support, there's not a lot of guidance, right? There's a lot of a lot of ambiguity. Um, and I found that when I would get teams that were very good at navigating that ambiguity, it made the organization a lot more effective at achieving goals, right? Because it wouldn't all depend on me clarify like bringing like bringing clarity to the to the individuals but rather pointing them in directions and having them find that clarity themselves and taking ownership of the clarity taking ownership of the goals and, and actually we would get even better results better products when engineers could understand uh, like could could sort of process that hey there's some foggy direction but <laughs> There's there's a like a a good there are good outcomes at the end of it if we can all process it and so that became the fundamental the fundamental piece because even with that one you can derive the rest one right the navigate ambiguity is like yeah well what else oh well if if I need to navigate ambiguity then I need to have possibly like a way to set my goals right and, and ensure that that there's some alignment with leadership on whether I should be going in this direction or not and then. If I don't, then I should be able of asking for help, right? Because my goals aren't clear and it's ambiguous. So then who is going to help me if I can help myself? Um, and then I should also be able to report how I am progressing on <laughs> these goals or these progresses. And if I depend on someone, then I should be capable of negotiating. So, so they all sort of fall, fall back from that. Is that narrative? And I'd say, yeah, the top five are my favorite ones. I still... In such a large organization, I needed uh, very good examples of, of things that I, I wanted or not. I think if I if I wrote this for a smaller team, it would be smaller. Right. <laughs> Which is so. So the fact that it was so, so large is because it was a large org. But your your core here, then you said so. That we'll start with your top five. You had so navigating ambiguity. From that, you think the other key ones are set goals, ask for help, broadcast state and negotiate dependencies. And your view is that, well, you could derive those. And I, and I agree, because I think what struck me about your navigating ambiguity is the idea that you talk about people here being proactive. I thought of this as you're looking for people to be high agency in the face of ambiguity. So it's not just th th that, that things are ambiguous, but that they're engaging with ambiguity, trying to make things less uh, uh, less ambiguous. So your example, I like here because you, your whole framework is described with example of like, okay, you want teams to be capable of this. And you say, well, here's an example of not capable. And here's an example of capable. So it not capable in navigating ambiguity is we're not making any progress because no one has told us what to work on. 
<laughs> so because we've not received direction, we're not doing anything. I, I, I think I've seen that before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and by contrast, capable, your example is last week, we emailed the CXO to clarify how we could contribute to their quarterly goals. Attached is our draft proposal. Any objections or feedback? You know, so someone's saying like, hey, we've, we've taken action. We've done this. Here's, here's our draft. You know, we're, we're taking steps to kind of take those vague intentions that you described and then make them concrete and actionable. Here's our, our concrete proposal. And, uh, and I think that's great. And, and one thing I also like about this is that you see these people as an interactive process. Um, you know, you describe the attributes of doing it as people who are, you know, communicating effectively and, and seeking feedback. So it's not just that people were proactive and got a direction and went off and did it with, you know, okay, we, we've, we've spent the last three months <laughs> or last three weeks working on something because of something you said three, three, three weeks ago. Tell us a little bit about that. Like what's that for you, that process of, of the interactions. And of course, Squirrel and I, we, we put a real focus on conversations. So you, what what are the kind of conversations you expect to be happening there? Well, the, the framework comes from conversations. The examples come from conversations and the way that I sort of implemented it was also a conversation, right? I think the most valuable meeting I would have with the product engineering team would be our, our fortnightly product review, which is where all of this would come up, right? So we would start, hey, so where are we at? Well, we haven't made any progress. Like, Wait, what? And so... <laughs> of course, I wouldn't feign surprise and try to like keep my faith, but I'd say, all right, like you, I expect you to be capable. If you're if you're not making progress, if you're just idle, that's not a good thing. So, walk me through like what have you heard about our goals? What do you think that you could influence in a positive way? With you have eight engineers just sitting around, we have all of these challenges around the company like what do you think and so what, what do you need in order to take one of these and, and so like having that conversation would eventually sort of illustrate again the expectations and also their the the the, the actual ownership and responsibility that they had because we, we we were coming from a culture that was very much like command and control no one can do anything unless this high person approves it and you have to ask for like all this permission. You're just really, really bureaucratic as well. And so that was the the the, the back and forth that, that we were having, and, and it came from many of these examples. What what was the result? So, and, and I have two questions about this. So, this framework sounds really interesting. Like, it's, I, the engagement you're describing sounds really natural. The two questions I have is is one is so what was the result? Where did what was the impact of this model and also how long did it take because i can't imagine you went and had like one meeting you gave people the document to read they're like oh we we get it now one thanks here <laughs> we're off we're now capable in all 17 dimensions hang on before you answer that one i'm going to suggest because we're close to the time that we usually take for our podcasts so i could could we do a cliffhanger you know we're, we're going to be waiting for the the other shoe to drop for another week if you don't mind coming back and uh, helping us understand sort of how did this land? What happened after you brought this in? What, how did you feel about that? I, I, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I don't mind at all seeing you next week. Fantastic. Okay. So if, if listeners are interested in navigating ambiguity and uh, are, are wondering how on earth uh, we can do something so ambiguous and help the teams <laughs> to be effective um, while asking them to be 
amb- ambiguously good at being ambiguous, uh, then they can get in touch with us at uh, agileconversations.com, where you'll find uh, videos and talks and um, uh, uh, articles and all kinds of stuff and, and ways to get in touch with Jeffrey and me. But even better, go and read Juan's article, which you'll find in the uh, show notes. And uh, Juan, uh, is all your contact information there? Uh, is there any place people should get in touch with you? Yeah, I think my, there's a Twitter link there in, in the article. And if not, we can, we'll post my Twitter. We'll put it in the show notes for sure. Fantastic. And of course, the other way for people to uh, hear from us again is to come back next week when we'll have Juan again, and we'll be talking about how he actually implemented uh, this uh, sound, crazy sounding framework. It's going to sound alien to many of our listeners, and uh, we'll, we'll find out uh, how it actually worked out. Thanks, Juan and Jeffrey. Thanks, Juan.